Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to AZ Brandcast, where we talk to all sorts of awesome people about the power of brand and how to build great brands in our remarkable state of Arizona. We're the hosts, Chris Stadler and Mike Jones. Jones. Our guest today is Heidi Janenga. Mike, tell us about Heidi. Yeah. So I'm super excited Heidi's on the show today. Um, I've been looking forward to this for a little while. Almost as excited as me. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Little background about Heidi. She is Dr. Heidi Janenga. Got to make that very clear. She's the co-founder and president of WebPT, which is based here in Arizona, which is awesome. And they're the country's leading rehab therapy EMR platform. I'll have to get a definition of EMR later because anytime I see nice acronyms, I got to know for enhancing patient care and fueling business growth. Since the company's launch in 2008, Heidi has guided WebPT through exponential growth. We'll get into that later. Um, And today it's the fastest growing physical therapy software in the country. It's really cool. Prior to co-founding WebPT, Heidi practiced as a physical therapist for more than 15 years. And today she regularly speaks as a subject matter expert at local and regional technology, entrepreneurship, and leadership events, as well as really cool podcasts like AZ Brandcast as well as national PT industry conferences. She serves on the board of a ton of organizations. And the one that I was really excited about to see in the list was, of course, Conscious Capitalism Arizona. CCAZ. Yeah, our sponsors of the show and good friends of ours. She's also dedicated uh, much of her time to mentorship within WebPT through her women's empowerment group, Propel Her, and in the broader community through her work with physical therapy students and local entrepreneurs. So great give back there. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a ton of questions for Heidi about herself and WebPT and the story and the brand and how you guys have gotten to where you are. But first, we have a little note about our sponsor, Conscious Capitalism Arizona. That's right. We, uh, as always, we have to mention our fantastic friends at Conscious Capitalism Arizona. This local association is on a mission to share with the whole world how doing business for good is just good business. This local chapter of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated hosts tons of local events and provides resources for business leaders to instill a higher purpose in their company and engage all their stakeholders. Be sure to check them out at ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com. And not only that, Chris, the Arizona chapter of Conscious Capitalism is hosting the International Conference of Conscious Capitalism in April. That's right. You going, Mike? I am going. I need to buy my ticket. I just saw the post the other day from on Instagram. And about registration is now open. So you can get your tickets. If you go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com, you should be able to get to uh, registration. Uh, if not, just Google it. Google Conscious Capitalism Conference and get your tickets. It's going to be here in Phoenix in April. Mm. It's definitely, definitely something you need to attend. I went to the conference in Dallas this last spring. And I think just it's a transformational event for any business. You're going to not only unlock what is conscious capitalism, what does that mean? What does it mean to do good business and do good in your community through your business? But you're going to meet a ton of like-minded individuals and companies that you probably have never really maybe associated with conscious capitalism. It was a great opportunity for me to kind of get to know a lot of brands that I knew of already and was like, wow, they're already actually involved in this movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a great opportunity to to meet them, get to hear from them. Um, There's fantastic speakers, workshops, 
lots of great content and lots of great networking opportunities. So yeah, I'll be there too. And uh, yes. WebPT is uh, one of the corporate sponsors. Um, we are looking for more corporate sponsors as well. Mm-hmm. So if uh, conscious capitalism aligns with sort of your values, we we'd definitely love to hear from you. So on that page that you mentioned, there's definitely yep. sponsorship availability. So. It's a it's amazing conference. They, uh, as you mentioned, it's transformational. It's also very educational in terms of new people who are thinking, oh, I'm not really sure what conscious capitalism is and how does this pertain to me. The speaker lineup is incredible from national speakers all across the United States and, and internationally who really subscribe to to the pillars and, and understanding, like you said, um, you know, good business can lead to to really great success. So. Yep. There's just, I mean, some really cool stories of companies here in town that have done some some really cool things in their mm-hmm. community, um, including like you guys with WebPT and I think of Goodman's Interior Structures and many more. And I'm excited to hear more of that on a larger platform. Yeah, many of us started as what's now being termed as unconscious, conscious capitalists, mm-hmm. right? Where you didn't really, just, you just, you were doing what you thought was right and based on your own values and principles um, of running a business. Uh, and so when you get around these other people that think like you and understand um, and potentially have grown a business with those same sort of principles, it's just a, it's an amazing networking opportunity and mm-hmm. um, just to be around more people that maybe you think you're on an island and yeah. a lot of people don't think like you. There's just this amazing group of very generous and uh, um, awesome people to to, to network with and, yeah. and get to know better. Yeah, and all across the country, yep. not just here. Yep. Uh, this is the international conference. So like last year, I, I sat next to a lady and introduced myself in a break and found out she's from Italy. And I was like, how did you find out about this? This is awesome. Um, conscious capitalism is definitely a, oh, yeah, there's a chapters, global movement. It is a global movement. There's chapters all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to the CEO conference, CEO summit. Mm-hmm. That's available every year as well and it's just an incredible group of people and it, it is very international so um, encourage more people to it, just start to get involved but also if you're it's just at all interested in learning more like this is the conference to go to that's awesome i'm excited well now that we've got that nice little conscious capitalism love fest <laughs> through chris i think we've got an icebreaker for all of us yes we do so mike heidi what is your Best injury story. We're talking about WebPT today. What is your best injury story, Mike? <laughs> oh man, you're gonna make me go first. That's good. I think mine's a good setup for you guys. Okay. So I apparently don't take risks, so I don't get injured very often. <laughs> well, and according to Heidi, it's your good DNA. <laughs> yeah, my good. Yeah, we'll we'll just call it that. Um, my good DNA. So one that I know I have coming to fix is. It's such a weird word. The word bunion is such a weird word. But I have a, my big toe is like crooked. And it wasn't always crooked. I'll take away my, my good genes to yeah, comment because yeah, bunions yeah, are bun- a genetic thing. So Well, so I've tried to figure that out. So I sprained that toe really badly doing something really dumb, which is I played basketball with my nephew while wearing flip-flops. So when playing a nine-year-old in flip-flops, know that they're going to want to take it to, the, to level 11, right? <laughs> And uh, you're going to have to follow suit because otherwise you get beat mm-hmm. and you don't want to get beat no. by your, you know, nine-year-old. Not an nephew. option. Not an option. So, you know, I balled out in my flip-flops and like just royally sprained it. And that's when I actually noticed, well, it, it was later. It was probably about a year later. I noticed that it was it was crooked and I can actually see where like that 
that ligament is crooked itself. So I don't know. Maybe it's not related. Maybe it's like two different issues. And but that's my that's my big like big with huge quotation marks around it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't want to get too personal. Right? At least you don't have to wear heels all the time. That's usually the big yes, issue with yes. uh, women having bunions is that that yep. no longer can you wear the narrow you yeah. know uh, that just sounds shoes terribly painful. Yes. It is painful. I have enough issues with just dress shoes. And I'm not sure if those two are really related. They Usually might not be. bunions don't necessarily come from an injury. It's mm-hmm. a, genetic. a genetic issue that yep. happens over time. And you're pretty young to be experiencing bunions. So maybe you should see a physical therapist about that. Or you should have seen one previously when you had your injury. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we talked about genes, but not smarts. So... Yeah. Maybe it's just for you. It's just G J E A N S. I do like I do like jeans. So Heidi, are you ready to go, or do you want me to go first and buy you some more time? Oh, I I've got plenty of injuries to pick from, but there's one major injury for me that was really a, actually a pivotal part of my entire life that has helped to change my trajectory to get me where I am today. So. I was a basketball athlete in college. Mm. I played at UC Davis. And my junior year... What was your position? Sorry. I was a forward, so okay. power forward. Nice. I had gotten a steal going down the court uh, and was pretty much alone, go up for a layup and land and felt a squish in my knee. Oh. And uh, went down, writhing around in pain, uh, I think the layup did go in because I'm sure that's what you're going to ask. Um, and I get carried off to the sideline and they do an MRI a couple of days later and it's inconclusive. They thought I had torn my ACL. I had some, you know, instability, but they weren't sure. So they didn't want to do surgery. So I got sent to a physical therapist, which I had started uh, at UC Davis pre-med. Okay. Uh, and had an amazing therapist. You know, I couldn't put any weight on it when I first started to to see her. Within four weeks, I was walking with, you know, no assistive device and running in, you know, uh, eight weeks and then actually was able to return that season and play with a brace, um, continue to work out over the summer and played my senior year with no brace, no surgery. Wow. So it was a pivotal change for me to have experienced physical therapy and, changed my major going forward to hmm. go on to become a physical therapist from that point because of my experience with with that therapist so wow that's Top awesome that. that's a good story <laughs> i feel like physical therapy <clears throat> i feel like the body can heal itself better than sometimes surgeons give it credit for not to knock on surgeons but <clears throat> no i mean part of me being a physical therapist i'm an evangelist for therapists um and we have been a provider that has been underserved for a long period of time. Right now, we are at a pivotal point in our industry with the opioid crisis Hmm. uh, because, you know, physicians um, have chosen the easy road or the easy button, if you will, to just hand out medication versus finding the true root of a problem, especially when it comes to musculoskeletal pain, like low back pain is the number one reason. Um, And so, you know, physical therapists are experts in musculoskeletal injuries. Um, we're doctorate degrees now, which a lot of people don't even know. Hmm. Uh, and so there's studies that are coming out now by insurance companies and whatnot that are showing that if a patient with a musculoskeletal injury would see a physical therapist within the first, you know, 60 days of injury, that there's 75 to 80% less chance of them getting any opioid 
referral or addiction uh, moving forward. And so, mm. you know, we're really pounding that drum right now even harder than ever before um, because of uh, the escalation of the opioid issue. But there's also, and I will pound on surgeons, I'm happy to do that. There's a lot <laughs> Go of for it. there's a lot of uh, research that's also coming out showing that a lot of surgeries that are being done are not necessary, mm. right? Especially when you think about meniscus and things like that. There's just not a whole lot of reason to be removing tissue if, like you said, the body has the ability to ha- to heal itself. And so, by no means am I saying physical therapists have the uh, answer for everything, but we are very underutilized and hope that there will be, uh, I mean, not hope, because hope's not a strategy. Um, <laughs> we are fighting uh, hard uh, with more legislation and more changes from insurance company and, and clinical pathways to really insert physical therapists a lot uh, more in, especially when we talk about musculoskeletal injuries, mm-hmm. saving a lot of money downstream in healthcare costs. Interesting. So my story does involve physical therapy. It was a miracle of physical therapy, actually. So <laughs> had surgery, surgery component. It has all, it makes everybody Stop happy. It has here. surgery, physical therapy, uh, you know, a breakup. All right, so, <laughs> so, uh, so I punched a glass pane and like on TV, you know how you just punch it and nothing, nothing bad happens to you? Well, <clears throat> sugar, yeah. Sugar shatters really well. Yeah. Something bad happened to me. So so I punched the window and I guess when I was pulling out, it severed my, and you can see it, I'm showing Heidi right now, my yeah. arm. So there's a scar. So um, it, it severed my extensor tendons. And so I wasn't able to... We're uh, all staring at Chris's my wrist fingers. right now. Since my palm's facing down, I wasn't able to lift my fingers. So, so anyway... They, do, um, do we want to talk about why you were actually punching the glass in the first place? Or is that a whole other rabbit hole we don't need to go down to? No, that, that's the unveil. So, oh, oh. all right. So, the punchline. Um, yeah. So, uh, Literally. <laughs> good one. Always with the puns. Yeah. So, they, so they, they had to reach in and grab these uh, the tendons, which had retreated up into my arm and in, back into my hand, pull them together, and then suture them. So the physical therapy challenge was that the physical therapist, so two things could have happened. Um, the, the scar tissue could have formed over the, the, the sutured tendons, um, preventing my movement from then on for the rest of my life, right? Or uh, the physical therapy could have been too aggressive and then torn the sutures, right? Broken the sutures. And so um, my physical therapist was really attentive to that and had to kind of balance that out because they just had someone come through mm. who wasn't as successful, right? So they kind of learned a little bit. and they. So anyway, so now my, um, my you know, it's almost, almost full motion. Moral of the story, don't break up with a girl, regret it, drink beer, and then listen to Nirvana. Never mind. Real loud. <laughs> At least not near glass windows. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Keep okay. sharp things away. Keep sharp things away. Yeah. Or be on a movie set with, you know, sugar glass. Yeah. Well, well that that is an instance in which you're very thankful for for a surgeon, first of all, who's an mm. expert at at doing that type of delicate surgery. And also, obviously, uh, I'm sure your therapist was a certified hand specialist as well. Um, yeah, she was a uh, kind of intricate work. There was a name for her CHT. Yeah, probably, but it was like a um, oh, it was occupational therapist, right? Oh, okay. So she it? was an occupational therapist, right? Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. That's great. That's awesome. All under the umbrella of what we call rehab therapy. So PT, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech language pathology as well. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. So your injury, Heidi led you into physical therapy yes as a profession mm-hmm. that's awesome and then can you give us kind of the background like how did that lead to web pt so 
as you mentioned in the bio, I'd been practicing for about 15 years. And through that 15 years, um, I had reached a lot of the goals that I'd set myself set for myself in terms of uh, I set out to be a sports medicine specialist. I did that. I was working with professional athletes, college athletes, uh, high school athletes, and also had become a clinic director overseeing three practices. So with clinic director responsibilities, I also had had to look over our P&L. And anyone in healthcare understands over the years, uh, reimbursements have steadily, steadily declined. Mm-hmm. And so that's your top line revenue. Um, and if you're trying to maintain your bottom line, you, you sort of need to look at your expenses. And one of our biggest expenses at the time was transcription and dictation, mm-hmm. meaning that notes that we were sending to physicians about like your hand and how you're progressing with your hand were being sent to the physician on a regular basis. So we couldn't just handwrite those because a lot of our handwriting is not very legible. And so we would dictate it and it would get sent over to the physician. Uh, and so a lot of the ref- of our referring physicians had started transitioning into using some sort of digital platform to do their documentation, similar to what we have to do and um, sending it to insurance companies and whatnot. Um, EMR stands for Electronic Medical Record. Ah, there we go. And so I thought there had to be something out there for physical therapists as well. When we did our research, we found that there wasn't anything specific for therapists. There were some medical platforms that had started dabbling in our industry. But the the documentation in therapy is a lot more complicated. You see a therapist. I don't know. How many visits did you see your therapist for how long? It was was a lot of visits. Months, right? Yeah. Uh, And multiple visits a week versus what you see a doctor for normally, maybe once a year. Right? Yeah, yeah, if I don't healthy. remember that guy. Yeah, and even if you have surgery, it's like, you know, you've got initial, couple initial visits, your surgery, and then maybe a follow-up or two. Exactly. If things go well. So the documentation load for a therapist is significantly different um, right. than it is for any other, you know, discipline. So trying to fit something into PT is, is really difficult. So when we couldn't find anything and there was nothing web-based, and I'm sure you saw your therapist running around the clinic, like they, we don't sit behind desks very often. So having, you know, something that a, a computer that you always have to go to on a server-based system wasn't logical or practical. Especially in 1990, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before the uh, interwebs. The typewriter. So I paired up with a technologist um, who was uh, very experienced in enterprise level software and had built, you know, large scale server farms and things like that in the past. And we put our heads together to build version one, which initially was just supposed to be for my clinic. It was solving a problem that I had experienced. And within nine months, we had a documentation platform that allowed our therapist to document and we were getting positive feedback. And of course, you know, we... We got the feedback in from the therapist and then built it based on the workflow and that kind of thing. And then some of my colleagues started sniffing around and they said, hey, what are you doing over there? I heard you're saving money and we want to save money. So can we try it? And so within another six months, we had uh, 10 clinics up and running using our platform. And at that point, we also started charging them for this. So Mm -hmm. we knew that it was valuable enough and efficient enough for them to say, yep, we're willing to pay. Mm. And so... We did a little market research at that point as well, and we found that 80% of therapists were still documenting on pen and paper. Mm. So light bulb goes off. There's a and market. Yeah. There's a market. Yeah, there's a, there's a market. Um, and so in February of 2008, we decided to launch the company. Mm. Um, and we sold five clinics that first month. And now we have just shy of 40% market share, uh, which means about 
13,000 practices using our software today. And obviously, over the last 10 years, it's expanded into more of a platform um, in which we have multiple, a suite of products, um, including revenue cycle management services. Mm-hmm. But really, that's that's how the story, I guess, to where we are today. Mm-hmm. This is all about brand here yeah. at this well, show, right? So, Okay, well, so... It's, it's part of it. Yeah, so... The story is part of it. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. So... How do you create a brand? First of all, it starts with a name, mm-hmm. right? And so there's an interesting background story on the on the yeah, let's hear that. name. So back, so we launched the company in 2008. Back then, I mean, you probably heard of WebMD. It still mm-hmm. exists today, but it was a lot bigger back then. It was the first sort of foray into going online and typing in what you have to find out, other than talking to a doctor, what's going on. And so we, it was all the rage. And so we thought again. Oh, thinking forwardly, well, maybe if we start this business and we call it WebPT, that maybe WebMD someday will want to buy WebPT. Mm. <laughs> it fits under the umbrella. The vision. Right. And we initially had some of the similar sort of thought process of doing education because, I mean, we've been sort of an underdog and as, a, as an industry for a long time of getting more awareness out there about physical therapy. So... Obviously, you don't just say, I want to name your company WebPT. You got to buy the URL. And so we looked at the URL and it was taken by some amazing guy in Florida (laughs) who had bought it like seven years prior to that and had started a little website because he was a marathon runner and had experienced pain for like over a year, um, had Hmm. gone through uh, injections, seeing all different kinds of doctors, but did not could not get rid of his pain and couldn't return to marathon running. And so finally, he got to a therapist who within three to four months got him back to running mm. and marathon running. That's awesome. So he was so indebted to this therapist and physical therapy that he wanted more people to know about the industry that he built this website. And it was, you know, a couple pages. I mean, he was like a web de- web developer or something himself. And so anyway, Brad Janega, my co-founder, called him up and said, hey, like, here's my story and my girlfriend happens to be a physical therapist as well. And here's what we're trying to do. And how, how much do you think, um, you know, are you willing to sell it? Because it was about to come, it was about to expire. Are you willing to sell it to us? And he was like, well, how much are you willing to pay? And Brad was like, well, how about 50 bucks? And I was like, uh, well, you know, I've been working on this for a while. I think it's probably worth a little bit more than that. And so they get to chatting some more. And 30 minutes later, they circle back to, well... Are you willing to sell it? He's like, well, how about uh, how about five hundred bucks? And we said sold. Nice. So we got that URL with seven years of Google juice, which yeah, you know, which is important. That's serious on SEO strategy that's some quality there. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, for five hundred bucks back in two thousand and seven, um, and so that is the for, I guess the start yeah. of, of building a brand. Right, yep. the name is so important. And when we did our first trade show. And had our booth, and we were so worried. We, you know, mm. had no sales at this point. People sauntered by and said, "Oh, WebPT's here!" Like we had been in existence. Like the name really resonated with people. That you know, they thought, "Oh, yeah, you must have been here for years." We felt established. Yes, we felt that's established. Great. So we, that's, it's a uh, lot of little things. It is exactly very, very mm-hmm. validating. So, so how did you handle with all the growth and the, I think what two recent acquisitions? How have you handled? How have you kept true to the brand? How have you managed that? Well, I mean, first we established a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And um, early on uh, in establishing that, 
based on the name and our SEO strategy and things like that, um, in 2010, we took our first small round of funding in from Canal Partners, um, led by Jim Armstrong of um, JDA Software. And we had not done very much marketing at that point, even though we had already started on our hockey stick of growth um, at that point. And so we spent some time with Greg Head, which mm-hmm. hopefully you guys, I'm sure you know from the... We just had him on a couple yeah, months ago. Yep. Awesome, awesome guy. And uh, he really helped to develop a strategy, um, not only with uh, obviously SEO strength, but also to establishing ourselves as a thought leader in the space because there really wasn't anybody doing that. So we put on free webinars. Uh, We didn't do any radio shows or podcasts at that point. (laughs) Tons of blogs. We just started flooding the market in terms of getting more WebPT information out there, not specifically selling anybody, just getting more information out there. Um, aggregating from sites that were, you know, um, just hard to navigate through, like CMS, the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, mm-hmm. and pulling that in into our sort of brand and language and style, which was mm-hmm. very comfortable, kind of like you guys, like mm-hmm. easygoing, like, and we have a we have a voice, right? And yeah. so we started establishing that voice back in 2009, 2010. So when we made these acquisitions, you have to look at well, what is their brand? How mm-hmm. strong is that brand within the industry? Um, and then figure out, you know, how that's going to fit into the overall sort of vision and, and future of what you're trying to accomplish. Our, we've made four acquisitions over the 10-year period. A uh, very small one initially, which just was just kind of a tuck-in. It was um, some services. We, it was really more around personnel that we we bought that company. So they didn't even have really a brand at all. So that was like, it didn't matter, right? We just mm-hmm. we pulled them in under the WebPT umbrella. The second one was called Therabill, which we bought a standalone software that basically does the billing portion of claims for running a business. So you can actually use the software yourself in, in your clinic. So you don't have to have anybody else do it. You don't outsource it. You just do it yourself. And so the Therabill name was interesting because a lot of their comfort, their customers weren't just in physical therapy. They were also in speech language pathology, um, even behavioral health. Okay. And so a wider demographic, demographic, right? That we didn't necessarily have to put the WebPT. We didn't want to necessarily take away from their brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we left that Therabill name alone and just created the WebPT company. So it's a WebPT company okay. because of the um, farther reach into other verticals that we wanted to continue to grow. And, and, they, and they live out your values though, right? Oh, yeah. So although the name is part of the brand, all of the personnel come under the WebPT umbrella and brand and all of that. So they definitely become part of our culture. But the, the name itself uh, stands alone. The product. Well, the product is fully integrated now with our, our okay. platform as well. Okay. Um, but just the name sort of uh, as a product still stands alone, still okay. lives out there. And then in 2016, um, we bought a company called Strive Labs, which was a patient retention and management platform, which they had created that vertical themselves within the PT industry. Two physical therapists, brilliant guys. Scott and Ryan, who um, fresh out of college, decided um, we're going to teach ourselves to code and develop this product because 
it's very needed. And they saw this vision of, you know, what other industries were doing that just didn't exist in, in rehab therapy or PT. Hmm. So they built a great business um, and we nurtured them along the way. We were friendly with them for, for quite a few years before they uh, decided, man, we... We're at a, p- a pivotal point in our business where we're either we we're going to take a bunch of but a bunch of funding in, or we're just going to sell to a st- strategic. And they ended up um, coming under the WebPT umbrella. So what does Thrive do again? Strive. Strive. It, sorry. Yeah, they have two big things. They have a home exercise program platform, a digital home exercise program with videos and things like that, which is great for therapists. Um, and then also it's patient retention management. Think CRM but f- specifically for patients. Mm-hmm. So you create a database where you can send out newsletters, you can send out uh, email information, all kinds of relevant information, even when a patient is not no longer a patient. So you keep in contact mm-hmm. with that patient. Like a communication um, hub. A communication hub, but also think about lead gen, lead mm-hmm. generation. You want to keep those patients coming back. And then within physical therapy, there's a large drop-off rate where patients don't complete their full plan of care. They just stop coming for whatever reason. They either get better or they feel like they weren't getting value, but you just they just stop coming. And so you lose that communication potential to figure out why they stopped or get them back in or you know whatever the case may be. Communicate or or with like them. they just decide that they, they it's kind of a pain to come in and they don't want to talk to the therapist because they know that they'll get in trouble. <laughs> exactly. And so... That's never happened to me. I, I'm just thinking there must be somebody out there who's like that. And yeah, know. seems yeah, to be sitting resonating. across the table from you. <laughs> <laughs> right, we got it dropped off as chiropractor's uh, radar last year. Yeah, but there's my, other reasons for that. Uh-huh. Apparently, my Achilles wasn't worth the physical therapy, uh, so I'm still limping. Yeah, mm. we'll yeah. see. You don't go. love your Achilles enough. That is part of the point. Is yep. we want patients to get the best <clears throat> outcomes, and usually it needs a little coaxing to keep yep. them going when it gets tougher, right? Or it just gets harder, and you're feeling a lot better, right? But you're not quite 100. percent And so that's what the PRM platform allows you to do. Um, which for us, you know. We are B2B and we want our businesses to thrive and it means more revenue in if they complete mm-hmm. their plans of care, which at the end of the day, it's really about the patient getting the best outcome, mm-hmm. um, but it also helps the business. So we that was a larger acquisition. Um, and again, they had established a brand for themselves. And we have kept that, we have, we have kept that going. We kept that going for about a year with allowing them to keep the Strive name until we got the product fully integrated mm-hmm. into WebPT. Mm-hmm. At that point, we have rebranded it now into WebPT Reach, uh, which the Strive name is now going away. But all of the employees are, again, from a company standpoint, they, they have been fully in. embraced and yeah. integrated, which was really nice because their culture was very similar to ours. That's great. The largest acquisition was this past year. Um, so we were at 300 employees at the end of 2017. We added 200 more employees wow. in January of 2018. Wow. So that was a significant undertaking. Um, we were already integrated from a product standpoint, not fully the way we're now integrated over this last year and still enhancing that. But... From a people standpoint, that was significantly uh, a bigger undertaking. Yeah, that's nearly nearly a double in size, double size, hundred mm-hmm. percent growth in yeah. employee count. Yeah, 
we've learned a lot through this year because we impl- we had a similar sort of tactic into slowly um, changing the brand over because they uh, had a, a pretty significant um, following in the enterprise space, the larger mm. organizations within our industry. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that there wasn't this affinity towards their, that brand. What we found is that we probably should have moved a little bit faster mm. in because now it's a barrier in terms of, well, are you, are you BMS or are mm. you FPT? Like, are, mm. aren't you one company? Um, and so I think in, in retrospect, we, it is, and even with the employees, they were itching and excited about be- coming under the WebPT umbrella when we first made the acquisition and our culture and all of that. And when it still says BMS on the door, they're still like, oh, you know, what, what are we? Like, you're in this kind of nebulous zone. And so in retrospect, I think we could have moved a little bit faster in terms of name change. Um, but we can't, you can only move so fast when it comes to technology. Uh, right. And so we were moving at the same pace where I think we could have moved faster from a people and brand name standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's a good lesson mm-hmm. that, yeah, I think sometimes the temptation is to move that slower, right? And kind of leverage that equity as long as possible. Yeah. But in reality, like that's not always the right strategy that there's a, yeah, there's equity, but there's also a, a dissonance that you create as you try to eke that out over time. Yeah. Um, well, then there's also like, you know, like a lot of the employees, sometimes some cultures, they just like the old culture. And yep. You kind of want to let things stabilize, like certain things stabilize, but it's almost like... You but if they're to, excited about the new culture... Yeah. Right, right. It's like Sometimes just, you, and and we implemented them. a lot of our cultural things, right? And mm-hmm. so when it still says another name, you're still reminded of the old culture, yep. right? Which And then, I mean, as you can imagine, infrastructurally, there are a lot of things that, that have taken a lot of time, even changeover of benefits, right? Mm-hmm. It's an annual thing, changeover of benefits. Now mm-hmm. they're finally this now getting changed over to WebPT benefits for 2019. They were Microsoft, we're Google. <laughs> Trying to even just, when you think about These email addresses, yes, exactly. Wow. So some of those, you just don't think about things yeah. from a larger scale, like how hard that is to yep. even just change emails. Like, yep. And all the history you have in your email and all of that to just switch over is not just something you do by the snap of your fingers. No, yeah. no so it takes time. It takes time. It takes it does time. Take time. Yeah. But yeah, it's that balancing act between the infrastructure and then kind of the brand yeah. and the identity. Yeah. And at which pace do you move each? That's that's a cool story though. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's been a hard year. Uh, I'll be honest. I mean, yeah. it's just integrating two large companies like that is is not an easy task of. And I mean, there's multiple tasks in the yeah. in the people portion of it because we are very much a people first, very focused company. Um, you know, even now also because we're no longer, which has also been a big change. Um, we're no longer just HQ centric. Mm. We now have eight locations across the country, and I mean all the way across the country from Upland, California to Saco, Maine to Minneapolis to Atlanta, yep. Virginia, Boston, Denver. Each I has mean, their own little cultural differences and <laughs> yeah, which nuances. Is, which is okay, yep. right? It's Every totally hub okay. can have, you know, even departmentally. But you have to navigate that. Yeah, you have to navigate it and that's a lot of travel. Yep. Right? Before I started Resound, uh, I was at an agency that had just merged. It was three agencies across the U.S. and Canada that had just merged just those little, like, not only the institutional differences between each of those three agencies, but also this, like, U.S. versus Canada cultural thing was really funky. Like, it was, 
I mean, even after like two years there, it was still like, it was awkward, right? I mean, even yeah. just like holiday schedules were different, yeah. right? There'd be days you would call up somebody in the, uh, in the Can- one of the Canadian offices and, you know, that you'd get their voicemail and you're like, well, I thought, I thought they said they were good. And then you look at the calendar and you're like, oh, they have a holiday today. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite things about that was we would always ask them about their these Canadian holidays that we didn't have here. And there were more. That was one thing that was also awkward yeah. was they had more holidays than us, more paid holidays. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would ask them every once in a while, what, what is this holiday? Like, tell me about it. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> I thought Canadians were supposed to be super polite and like, uh, don't worry about they're, it. They're very polite. Um, They're very polite when they told you, eh, don't worry. Yeah, he was, he was very polite <laughs> about telling me to not worry about the holiday that he didn't want to, to tell like me To like shove about. off. Yeah, Nanya. Yeah, 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 he wasn't like, just <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to talk about it. It was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's all good, <laughs> you know? So, no, they were very polite. Yeah, at Local Motors, we had people from like Germany, yeah. EMEA. Europe, mm. Europe, yeah. yeah, so... um so it was always a bigger difference. Yeah. And then there was like, we're going to, we we're talking to somebody who works in France to join the team. And it was like, yeah, but we have to know about the fact that French like labor laws are super different than ours. Mm. And, you know, well, it's kind of like now working with, with California. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's similar. like a whole other country over there. A whole other country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we obviously it's, it's our, our now second largest hub. And so we've mm. embraced it, but um, it's a lot of work to mm. understand you know, the the rules. And then, you know, as a software company, we have to be thinking about Nexus. And there's just a lot of things as you grow that you have to learn to navigate, uh, especially mm. through acquisition, right? And I can't emphasize the due diligence component, uh, how mm. important that is um, going through as fine of a tooth comb as you can. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously, there's always nuances and things you uncover post-acquisition, but Mm-hmm. the more you can walk through that process of asking the right questions. And I, every time we've learned new questions to ask and it's just still not enough. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is it like things that people are trying to hide or um, things that people just don't know is relevant? Yeah, I, I think it's m- more irrelevance than it just you just don't think to ask that until you've had an issue with it previously, you know? Um, and we have extremely savvy diligence teams mm. but you know just things that get uncovered you're just like really what we didn't ask that no nope, mm-hmm. didn't ask that or like the undocumented policies yeah yeah stuff that's just kind of yes. institutionalized exactly. in and expect expected but mm-hmm. it's never really been written down yeah it's right. always interesting yeah. cool well we- so i mean that, that's kind of that that kind of carries us into the next mm-hmm. question. I'm going to steal your question, Mike. Do it. Is that okay? All steal, right. steal away. So, so business philosophy is a big thing in conscious capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. So, how does uh, how does your business philosophy impact um, your brand, and um, what does conscious capitalism have to do with any of that? Well, the good thing is through due diligence is that we ask a lot of culture questions. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole list of litany of things that we think about and talk about with the you know previous um, uh, leadership and how what they how they think and you know what their philosophies are and so you know part of our our acquisition conversation is around how difficult it or or is this 
first of all, a culture that in, in terms of values, at least, is something that matches with ours, right? If it if it's strictly shareholder value driven company that we're purchasing, I mean, that's going to be a lot tougher to integrate that kind of culture, at least from a leadership perspective. And do we keep those types of leaders in the organization, right, mm-hmm. moving forward? And so there's a lot of, lot of conversation about that, even pre-acquisition, to understand moving forward, how is that going to play out in the post-acquisition strategy? It's also a conscious capitalism thing too, right? It's like stakeholder value rather than just shareholder value. Yeah, yeah Max, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so we are very strong conscious capitalist, conscious company. So we also ask a lot of questions around the people component, right? In terms of leadership and how, how you think about leadership, the, you know, uh, practices that you're doing with your, from your, your HR um, perspective, opportunities that your, your folks have within your organization, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of questions that are specifically aligned to our values and the conscious capitalist uh, values. And thankfully, you know, the, the companies that we have um, integrated into or acquired into WebPT um, aligned in almost every one of those categories. Mm. And so that, that's, that's the good news. But there's also a lot of understanding and um, education of those employees into this new culture because there is differing areas and there's also a very new a language, right, that uh, comes with our core values, comes with con- being a conscious capitalist. So. The culture is one very important one, but first and foremost, the thing that we drive home is getting them uh, galvanized around our new vision, right? Because mm-hmm. as a as a previous company, you had a different vision. Here's what the WebPT vision is of achieving greatness in practice for our therapists and, and empowering our therapists to do that. And so, having the we did a culture tour, which I led with our 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 um, culture captain Dana, um, and we ran around to every hub. We do something with every new employee called the Culture Cruise, okay. uh, which is basically a three-day deal where you just get an understanding of everything that it is to be a Wepi-tier From do you, do you get on a cruise ship? Like, <laughs> we haven't got in that captain. Alaska, I mean, in your mind. <laughs> it's like that. Led by the culture captain. <laughs> yes. So, and, and you learn all about the company before you actually get to sit in the seat that you're hired for, right? So, talking about purpose, talking about culture, talking about core values, talking about conscious capitalism. I put the slide up mm-hmm. there of, of how how our, our business philosophy and how that works. Uh, and so, we went around to every hub and did our two and a half hour, three hour, depending on the the size of the hub um, to to really help everybody understand like this is what you've got this is what you got yourself into mm. right and it went over really really well we had rockstar t-shirts so we had all of the you know locations on the back and what PT I should have worn like it today the tour shirt the tour shirt yeah. exactly the culture tour it. yeah does it have dates dates yeah. and venues, t- on, the dates dates and venues on the back exactly yeah the ACDC lettering of what PT in the front I don't know if we get in trouble with that but whatever um, <laughs> but it was it. cool and everybody yeah. got a shirt and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can have a Ask t-shirt burning <laughs> no and then you put the cease and desist up there and like like on the bulletin board I think you then as a bragging you yeah. then just bring the tour to ACDC Exactly. And then there bring them go. on tour. Do they still go on tour? Own it. I don't know. Yeah. They're pretty close to not being on tour. <laughs> yeah. But, are. you know, it's it's 
making sure that they understand. And now there's new sets of expectations mm-hmm. of what it means to be a part of WebPT as a brand, as a company, and you know, with with leadership. And so they've 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 embraced it really well. That portion awesome. of it, I think, has gone has gone pretty well. Is it so? I'm going to steal all the questions, Mike. No, um, that's fine. The, You're uh, doing great. Go so for it. I was kind of wondering, is there, uh, is there a theme you see in, um, with the brands that you're about to acquire? Is there something that stands out as kind of the thing you're most worried about? The thing that maybe, um, the, the thing that's likely to happen, but you worry the most about? Like, is there something about the culture that stands out as a, as a, as a problem? Like, what would, you, what would make you say no? Oh, to a, a, co- a company? Yeah, that- yeah. Well, obviously, if they are truly trying to hide something from us, you know, if they're not uh, an upstanding sort of organization, that would be a big red flag. Like what would that, what would that look like? If they, I don't know, that they were committing fraud in some way that they thought they weren't or they were trying to just pass as mainstream. Like for us in healthcare, there's a lot of um, sort of Medicare fraud, billing fraud, mm-hmm. things like that. So if we uncovered any of that, that would be a red, big red flag. I mean, at the end of the day, it's also about the risk to the business. When you, you, you've you got to do your diligence as, as best as you can because once that acquisition goes through, any, any issues that that previous company has now becomes your problem, mm-hmm. right? And so from a people perspective, I think it's just, it's not necessarily that we would say no to an organization. It's really what leadership would we keep or not keep? Because in mm. most, most acquisitions that you make, you, you want to bring the people on board with you. Um, especially in a large acquisition like this, where you've got leaders that they've looked up to. This is a 20 year old plus company. So they've got pe- people that were in place for a long period of time. There's a lot of relationships that are there. Mm. So if those leaders aren't of the mindset that is similar to you, that's going to be a difficult to say, yeah, chop, chop, like you see you later. Thank you for playing. We'll take all of your people and your, your IP. That's, I mean, that's just a more difficult way of doing it. Mm. Um, but, and if so, if your leadership is not in a similar mindset, I think that that becomes a lot more, it's a longer process, I guess. I don't know that you would say no, if it's the right thing to do for the company, it's just a longer process. Mm. I have a tangential question. We've been talking a lot about culture and how there's this, challenge of integrating in new brands from a culture, internal cultural perspective. How much does that matter externally? How much does your internal culture impact the brand from an external standpoint with customers or with audiences that you're that you're putting it in front of? It's everything. Our external brand is not much different than our internal brand. We publicize our core values. We talk mm-hmm. about them. We talk about our our purpose. We talk about conscious capitalism and practicing that both mm-hmm. externally and internally. So I think it's very difficult to have a different internal brand than you do external. Like that to me is, you know, I don't know, disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the answer I was looking for. So that was <laughs> yeah. great. Sorry, it was, a leading, it was a leading question for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think I mean, that's important for people to understand. Yeah. And I think it's, I think you should be proud of your internal culture, mm-hmm. right? And people gravitate towards that. That is part of now the WebPT brand is our culture. Like people, we just had our 10 year anniversary this year and we did, we have an annual conference every year called Ascend and we hosted it here in Phoenix this past year. And part of it was that you got to tour the WebPT campus, the HQ campus. And we had, you know, I don't know, 350 people that were super excited to just take tours because 
you know, with a software company, even with sales, you don't really actually get to meet real people. You do a lot of things online. Mm-hmm. And so to come to know, to see and to visualize everything that they've heard and, and we talk about and the culture and all of that, they, you know, we did tours for like three hours of, the, of the, our whole HQ. That's awesome. And people were just, it was awesome. Like, it makes it real. Uh, it makes it real. Yeah. And you guys should come take a tour, by the yeah, way. Yeah. We okay. definitely need to do All that. Right, sign us up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was wondering, do your, do your physical therapists, um, the, so your, your clients, right? Um, do you think they're affected by your brand? Do you think your brand um, kind of benefits other brands as well? I would love to say yes. I know that they... Um, Am I asking you to brag too much? Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I... I know for sure that when we have done, we we do a lot of culture talks. Uh, I I do culture talks about how to develop a great culture, things that you should do, like the steps that you you should take when you think about that. And I know that we have affected people in that way, mm-hmm. of you know taking time to write down their core values, have more open conversations with your teams and staff, be more have more transparency. The transparency is okay. Vulnerability is okay as a leader. I think that. You know, just like any other brand, like we've learned a lot from, you know, the Zappos of the world mm-hmm. and others that have, you know, these these amazing brands. I mean, obviously, you know, um, Whole Foods and mm-hmm. Container Store and all of that. I mean, they're, they're the ones, Starbucks, um, Star- Southwest Airlines, they're all leading the charge in exemplifying this on a much larger scale than we are. Mm-hmm. So within our niche of physical therapy, I would absolutely say yes, but I will I will say more importantly to me as a founder, it's impacting our people. Hmm. I will hopefully not tear up right now, but um, you know, we have, especially like holiday parties when we, we invite our significant others or we have a family picket every year in which they get to bring their kids. And it's just awesome to meet the entire person. Right. So not Mm -hmm. just the employee that shows up every day, but you see their significant others. We've had significant others. I mean, it happens every year, multiple times that they come up to me and they'll say, thank you so mm-hmm. much for developing this company and having the culture that you have. You have. You've changed my significant other, my, my mm-hmm. wife, my husband. They are so much happier mm-hmm. than they've ever been since I've known this person. Mm-hmm. And it's impacted us at home. Right, it's yeah. changed our lives together, our family's lives. Um, not just because it's a it's a career or a job that you have; it's because of the environment that you have, and it's changed their mindset. Like they, it's ridiculous. Like I, it's I. It's, it's, sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking <laughs> about it because the impact is you you have as an employer mm-hmm. has so it's much. Very deep. It's very deep. And it's so impactful to to families, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that we now employ you know five hundred people, which means we're impacting five hundred plus families. Like that's an incredible responsibility, mm-hmm. and we take that very seriously. And anybody who doesn't, like, you just gotta. I don't know what's going on in your head. Like sometimes I think people forget about that, and that's really at the crux. I think of what conscious capitalism really is about yep. when you think about the people. Yep, it's about people and the whole person and the whole person. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> so I've heard the same thing about Mike's company as well. Don't cry, Mike. Um, and then uh, Adam it's okay, Goodman. Mike. It's okay to be vulnerable. Might have to break one of my tissue. bones first. Heidi, can you grab the tissues? Um, <laughs> and uh, and Adam Goodman, I think, says something similar um, in mm-hmm. a, in this podcast. Um, he mentioned that 
he does this thing where he um, he writes letters to the families of his employees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then sends them home. And so they end up on the refrigerator and stuff. And he was saying that um, that it was, it was amazing just how that improved morale. Um, you know, they go home and, and now they get to be proud of um, proud of the work they did. And, and their their now their wife gets to see that or their husband or whatever, you know. And and uh, now Adam's such a great example of a conscious leader. Um, he has so many amazing things with his organization. And, you know, we we definitely use him as an example and some of mm-hmm. have probably stolen some of the things that he talks about. But that's really why we do the family picnic. That's why we do the holiday party, which which always is plus one because of that, right? You And we recognize we, we have um, what we call our SASY awards, S-A-A-S-Y awards every year, which is, you know, company awards that we give out at the holiday party. And it is so important to be recognized in front of your significant other, mm-hmm. right? That they, because they, you mm-hmm. go off to work and sometimes you don't really understand what they do all day. But like Adam says, when you're able to to share that with your family, not just come home and, you know, say, oh, look what I got today and show your award, but <laughs> it, it's actually including them as yep. part of, and we always thank the significant others for allowing, right, them to be a part of our community and be a part of, um, you know, the WebPT success every day. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, you guys know, right? I mean, yep. how, you couldn't do it without... I mean, everyone can obviously do it by themselves, but it, it's so much more meaningful when you have the more people involved. Yep. Mm, yep. Um, I had one follow-up question uh, before we close out, and that was, uh, I'm just curious, where in your kind of history of WebPT did you kind of sit down and really formalize the values? Was that pretty early on, or did that kind of come a little bit later? No, and uh, so... You know, values initially in a startup are born out of founders. It's kind of mm-hmm. just how you do things around here when you're a small team. And as we started the hiring process, we started early hiring for culture. Mm-hmm. But we didn't actually define it until 2010. So when okay. we took that first round of funding in, one of the first things we started to do was hire more people. We needed more yep. resources. So within that next six months, we had hired more people in the company than had been in the company in the previous two years. And so we felt this culture shift. And every year, at the beginning of the year, we always did kind of a mini strategic planning session. We called it a company stand-up where we would ask everyone, you know, hey, what did we do really well last year? What do we need to improve on? What are our goals for this year? Blah, blah, blah. So this particular year, we also asked, you know, how, what, what do you want to be known for in this organization? What types of people do we want in here? What do we want to stand for as a company? Mm-hmm. And we filled up a giant whiteboard. And from that, those whiteboard of those 40 people in the room, that's what could distill down into our it's core very values. Collaborative. That's awesome. Yeah, and so it wasn't a top-down. Hey, here's yeah. our core values. This was a collaborative effort with those forty founding employees, right? Who were living it every day, and this is how they defined it. This is what they wanted it to continue to be. Um, and so I'm I'm super proud of that. That those an initial six, and we added another two the following year. Those still are fully part of the foundation of who we are. Mm. 500 employees deep. That's awesome. Right? So it's scaled from yeah. 40 to 500. That's very validating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And all the leaders that we brought into the mix have gravitated and, and really um, taken those on as, yeah, these are amazing. Like, we're going to mm. continue this culture. That's awesome. Well, we are out of time. Heidi, do you have anything that, that you want to share? I know, it goes so fast, doesn't <laughs> it? Do you have anything you want to share in terms of things you've got coming up that you want to plug or want people to know about? 
Well, I hope to see everybody at the Conscious Capitalism um, Summit that we'll have here in Arizona. It's going to be at the Wild Horse Pass in April. So um, please take a look at the website. I will also say if you liked what you heard about our WebPT brand um, and might be looking for a new job, um, we have a lot of positions open at WebPT. So if you go to webpt.com slash careers, um, you will find a whole list of awesome opportunities that we have uh, not only here in Arizona, but also across the United States and some of our hubs. So anybody listening who's interested, um, visit that page. That's awesome. Right Go check that out. Yep, for sure. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for coming on AZ Brandcast today. I know Chris and I had a awesome time. I'll speak for Chris yes. right now. Yes. <laughs> thank you guys so much for this opportunity. It's yeah. awesome. And congratulations on the podcast. This yeah. is a, a great topic. Awesome. Well, for all of our listeners, this is Mike Jones and Chris Stadler for AZ Brandcast. You can check out all of our episodes, including this one very soon on azbrandcast.com. Um, and obviously you can find us all the time on iTunes, Stitcher, and all of your favorite podcast places. Be sure to rate us five stars because we are worth five stars. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and also it helps us rank better. So yeah. please do. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen. And if you want to get signed up for our newsletter um, and stay in touch with us, kind of hear what's going on, hear about podcasts that are coming up, uh, be sure to be sure to check us out azbrandcast.com you can scroll down to the bottom and get signed up on our newsletter there find us on all of the usual social places facebook twitter instagram i think i'm not sure we'll have to check on i that. don't think we have instagram oh what are we doing chris i don't know the brand experts don't have an instagram account <laughs> there's a lot going on man slacking maybe it's strategic there's a, a lot of branding going on strategic yeah yeah so check us out on all those except for instagram yep, don't instagram. do that don't do don't that don't waste your time and we look forward to next month uh, when we are having Thomas Barr from Local First Arizona come by. And we're going to be chatting with him near the end of December, right after the holidays. So he and I will have a good time while Chris is up in Portland or the Oregon area. It's just Oregon. Oregon. Let's just say Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, Thomas back. has got a great conference coming up in January, yes, too. Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Yep. We want to make sure we got him on before that. That's so. awesome. Um, yeah, so we're looking forward to that. So we will check all of you out later. Uh, be sure to check out the episode when it goes live in about a week. Thanks, yep. everybody.